All right, it's the Keep to the City Rangers podcast, and the Rangers win 5-4. to four. They beat the Flames on Monday night at the Garden, their first game in 10 days, their first game after the All-Star break. In what was the most exciting game of the season, it had everything, uh, goals, nine goals in over, uh, a total, fights, big hits. From a Rangers fan standpoint, Mika gets a pair of goals, Heedle gets a pair of goals, Lafreniere scores the OT winner, Panarin chips in with a pair of assists. Just up and down the lineup, I guess outside of the fourth line, which is, is a story for another day. Um, we'll keep this to a joyful podcast here today. But complete performance, really, from the Rangers. And maybe it wasn't their best game overall as a team this season. Maybe it wasn't the exact game you'd like to see them play, certainly from the standpoint of you know getting a one-goal lead, giving it up five minutes later, Scoring that second goal, giving that back, getting a 3-2 lead, giving that back, trailing 4-3. But it was exciting. It was exciting. It was entertaining. You know, take away the fact that they blew those leads. Take away the fact that they gave up four goals. Take away the fact that they had to come back in the final minutes, 12.55 or the third, to tie the game. But it was entertaining. It was exciting. It was, to me, the best game of the season just because it had all those factors. And I understand that's not a sustainable way to play. That's not the way you'd like to see them play over the course of a full season. But you'd like to get a few of these games a year where it has a, has a feel of a brand of hockey that really no longer exists in the league. And that's because there's not a whole lot of guys like Jacob Truba who still exist in the league who are willing to cut across the middle and lay those big hits, which... It, the, the magnitude of difficulty for him to lay those hits at this level of play, at this speed with the guys who are, you know, Nazem Kadri is a smart player. He's a star player. You know, he helped the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup last year. He's an all-star caliber player. For him to, at his speed, cut across the middle there and have his head down for a fraction of a second and to take that blow from Truba, which was a clean hit. It was shoulder to shoulder. He just knocked him silly and it wasn't he wasn't hunting for his head Kadri didn't hit his head in the ice it didn't result in a head injury to this point it was a good clean hit and those types of hits you rarely ever see anymore I mean for Kadri of all people to be foolish enough to take that chance to cut across the middle there and you saw Henrik Lundqvist on, on MSG talk about the fact that Truba sets those plays up where he allows Kadri to think for even a second that he could get to the middle. And that's how he times it and lines it up. And, you know, if it goes wrong and, and Kadri pulls a move on him and he's in on, on a partial breakaway, um, so it has to go exactly as planned for Chuba. And most of the time it does. And whether it's that hit or the hit in open ice at center ice, the fact that Chuba has to fight for these hits, you know, it's on the flames. It's on the opposition. Keep your fucking head up. This is the NHL at any level. You can't do that, let alone at this level, the highest level in the world. And you've got guys skating around open ice with their head down. It just And then Truba has to go fight and take himself out of the game for five minutes at a time because he has to defend himself when someone jumps him. And thankfully, the officiating crew there, Kelly Sutherland, thankfully, they're, they're willing to call the instigator there because those were textbook instigating situations where he's getting jumped and he has to immediately defend himself after laying a big hit just because he laid a big hit and on the flame side of things you've got a guy like dylan dubay who has to go fight trouba he's never had an nhl fight he he averages 20 penalty minutes a year and he's got to go fight jacob trouba who fights all the time and has fought a lot at this level 
and he's got to go do that because that's the thing he has to do. And yes, I get the standing up for your teammates. And, and how about just telling your teammates, hey, keep your head up. And we won't have to do this. The Flames won't have to be shorthanded. They won't have to lose guys for five minutes at a time. They won't have to ask players who are not accustomed to fighting to go fight. For all of the heat and the slack that Truba gets, and I'm part of that, you know, that, that was an awesome game from him. Because those big hits he laid, not only is he letting the Flames know and be aware of where he is on the ice, but he's putting his team on the power play, even though it comes at the the, the unfortunate sake of him needing to fight. And one of those power plays turned into a goal for Mika Zibanejad, which gave the Rangers a 3-2 lead there uh, just with 14 seconds left in the second. So the big hits, you know, the crowd loves them. The fan base loves them. As an entertainment value, love them. But the fact that it's turning into power plays for the Rangers just makes it that much better. The goal that was deflected, kicked, whatever you want to say, from Andrew Mangiapani, what a mouthful that is to say, I get why it was called a deflection because he turns his skate and his momentum as he's coming to a stop in front of the net. When you slow it down, it makes it look like it's a kicking motion because he's turning his right skate to face the net. Now, I've seen that play dozens of times and it's called a kicking motion. So I was on Joe Micheletti's side. I thought this is coming back. This is, this is a kicking motion. This was kicked in, even though I knew was I knew it really wasn't. It's just the way it looks when you slow it down. And I get and I and I was I thought it would be called back. I wasn't surprised that it wasn't. I thought it could go either way, but I've just seen that play so many times where it is called back that it made a lot of sense to me that it was going to be. And I know Micheletti is not usually right on these calls, so you know, maybe not the best idea for me to, to back his stance there, but it certainly looked like a kicking motion. I haven't seen really anywhere else where anyone thought differently, but I just know what he was trying to do, and I know that in real time, it's a deflection. When you slow it down, it looks like he's kicking it because his skate's coming forward, because it has to come forward for him to stop there in the crease. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't go the Rangers' way, and then you know, two minutes later, Michael Stone scores, and now the Rangers are losing, and there's like 11 minutes left in the game, and you're like, how are they going to lose this game where... They've just been the better team the entire game. And they're getting a big game from Hedo, and they're getting a big game from Mika. And Lafreniere's, you know, playing his balls off. And you just felt like this would be a bad loss. 10-day layoff, at home, just can't lose that game. And thankfully, Zabanajad goes top corner later in the game from Panarin um, and VC, who, you know, will keep this We'll keep the mood of this good. We won't talk about Jimmy VC playing with Mika Zabanajad and Artemi Panarin, but... I will say, I've been saying this since Panarin became a Ranger, that those two should always play together. When David Quinn was the coach, he would put those two together when he needed it, when it was urgent, when they were trailing by a goal and they, you know, 10 minutes left in the game, then they would play together. Um, in overtimes, they'd play together. But they should be playing together all the time. I don't care about line balance. I don't care about it. You put the best playmaker with the best goal scorer on the team, things like this happen where you get a two-goal game from Zibanejad, who's the Panarin assists on both of those goals. Yes, one was on the power play, but they always play together on the power play. They should always be together. And after the game, Gerard Gallant was asked about that and asked about keeping those two together. Yeah, I mean, you got to give it some time. And I don't know if I'm going to give it time or not. We'll see. But, <laughs> but uh, they're playing well, and they're talented players, and they read off each other real well. I know that, that he was saying that 
sarcastically, but he really believes that. Like he could, I could see him on Wednesday against Vancouver not having those two together with how frequently he changes the lines. Those two should be together all the time. They should be together. The kid line, you want to keep them together, fine. Everything else, you can move around. Like Jimmy VC, move him <laughs> out of the Zibanejad Panarin line. But those two should always be together. And then in overtime, uh, Lafreniere, you know, with the turnover in the Rangers zone by the Flames, he gets the puck, skates up the right side, makes the nice pass to Zibanejad, ends up getting the rebound, curling around. Markstrom can't get back to his crease, and you know, or he was in the crease, but he's laying across the ice, which wasn't going to do him any good. And, and Lafreniere scores just the seventh goal of the season. He needed that goal in a bad way. Hopefully that kick starts here or something for him over the second half of the season. Um, and then Markstrom just freaking out, <laughs> breaking his stick over the over the post. And I did see, you know, after on the score sheet that he was assessed a, a misconduct for that. Like, who gives a shit? The game's over. <laughs> so, um, but I, I don't know, what, what was he upset about? Like, he took himself out of position to make the initial save on Mika. He couldn't recover. No one interfered with him. I, I don't know what he was upset about. A big-time win two necessary points when you have that type of performance in your home and you had the layoff and you're rested, all of that. They needed to win that game, and they did, and it doesn't really matter that they had to give Calgary a point to do so because Calgary being in the Pacific doesn't affect them at all. So Rangers will look to keep that momentum going here. Wednesday night, an odd 8 o'clock home start time for them. After the 7.30 time on Monday, they get the 8 o'clock on Wednesday, but from here on out, it's pretty much 7 o'clock and, you know, the random weekend, 5 o'clock. Two more points on the line. I mean, you know, I think you'll see Igor Shosturkin back in net. But with Gallant, you never know what you'll get. Uh, and Vancouver, for as bad of a team they are, um, trading bow, being in the position they are, changing coaches. It's that game the Rangers don't get two points. Like, not getting two points here would be just an embarrassment. So I expect them to win because it's Vancouver. So that'll do it for today. Be back on Thursday to talk about Rangers Canucks. Thanks for listening. Talk to you after the game.